welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to build a life in alignment with your soul. I'm your host, Kitty Waters, serial entrepreneur and co-creator of the Network for Transformational Leaders. Each week, I interview top thought leaders that are changing the world. They share their life stories on tips on how you can find your purpose. We all have a gift we can bring to the world. Do you feel dead to life? Like there's more to it, but you don't know where to start. Perhaps you don't fit in and you can't understand why. Are you pushing all the time and getting nowhere? Do you long to finally be sure which is the right path for you? This podcast is sponsored by my Do Your Dharma course. This eight-week online course, self-study, shows you how to find your purpose. The course demystifies the subject of Dharma and shows you that by following your highest excitement, you can unlock your greatest potential and create the life of your dreams. Go to www.kittytalks.com forward slash do your Dharma. Without further ado, let's dive into the next episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Kitty Talks. This week I have an amazing guest. She is called Claire Pooley and she has written The Sober Diaries. And for anyone thinking about giving up alcohol, this podcast is a must. What I love about Claire's story is she's taken something which obviously was bad because she drank too much and she's turned it on its head. She's learned from it and now she's sharing her experience to help and serve other people. And She's making a real difference with her books, with her blog, what she's doing in the world. And I'd love to hear from you what you think of this podcast. Sometimes I do these podcasts and I wonder if anybody listening, and I know people are listening because I can see the stats, but I'd love you guys to give me some feedback. So if you're listening to this podcast, please share on social media and tag me and let me know what you think of Claire Pooley and her story, because our mission is to inspire a generation of change makers to follow their passion and purpose. And I'd love to know it's working. Much love to you. So good morning and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today's story is no different. I read this wonderful woman's book on holiday this year with my husband. I laughed, I cried, I resonated with it so, so much. So I want to introduce you to the beautiful Claire Pooley, who is an author and hello. And she is also has a blog called Mummy Was a Secret Drinker, which I just think is such a cool name. So welcome, Claire, to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to meet you. Yeah, and we've just had such a wonderful chat before Claire Claire came on air. So I know you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. We're going to be talking all about purpose and how your purpose will unveil itself to you in the sort of most interesting ways. But Claire, would you mind sharing with my audience a little bit more about who you are and what you're doing in the world at the moment? Uh, Yes. Um, So... Uh, I guess who I am now um, comes back to, to who I was four years ago because, um, you know, back 
four years ago, I was drinking way too much. Um, I'd been, I spent 20 years in advertising and I quit advertising when my, my third child was born. And I was a stay at home mum, uh, which was, you know, fabulous in many ways, but also as, as you'll know, very, very hard. And, um, I would t- drink a large, large glass of wine at the end of the day to relax. And that large glass of wine became a whole bottle until eventually I was drinking a bottle of wine every day and um, and more at weekends. And I added it up one day, which you know I tried not to do, to be honest. And it was <laughs> about ten bottles of wine a week I was drinking. Wow. Obviously, way too much. Um, so uh, I quit drinking and I started writing a blog, which I called, as you said, "Mummy Was a Secret Drinker." And that blog led to the book, The Sober Diaries, and um, and that led to, I did a TED Talk, and I do a lot of sort of public speaking now, and um, and I'm now a novelist. My first novel is coming out next year, which is so exciting. So, yes, in a long-winded way, that's where I am now. I'm a writer, a blogger, and a speaker. Fantastic. And I bet you could never have imagined that life would turn out like this, you know, sort of four years ago. No, I mean, four years ago, I was in a really bad way. So, you know, I was completely stuck in a rut. And, um, you know, I I couldn't work out quite how I got to where I was in my life, because Mm. I'd always been so energetic and enthusiastic and ambitious. And, you know, and I was, yet I was in this very small space, not really achieving very much at all. And I felt I wasn't a good role model for my children. And I wasn't even a very good mother. I was quite grumpy and shouty a lot of the time. And because of the amount I was drinking, I was too stone overweight. I wasn't sleeping. I was a really bad insomniac. And, you know, I was anxious a lot of the time. Um, I spent a lot of the time just feeling, you know, so, you know, I was the sort of person who used to do really amazing things. You know, I was on the board of a big advertising agency when I was 30 and I traveled all over the world and I'd done all sorts of stuff. And yet, you know, I get anxious when the phone rang. Wow. <laughs> and I thought, how did I, how did I get here? How did mm. I become this small, anxious person? So yeah, I wasn't in a good way. And I, and am I correct in thinking, so I was in the recruitment industry and that was booze fueled. Mm. And I, I presume advertising was a bit like that as well, was it? Yeah, I think it's partly why I went into it, to be honest. <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, I came of age in the era of, of, uh, of Absolutely Fabulous and, oh, yeah, me. and Bridget Jones and the Ladette. And I thought that, you know, it was absolutely our feminist duty to keep up with the lads and to, to play hard and work hard. And, and advertising, um, you know, I was in account management, so my job was, was client management. And that involved... Um, huge expense budget and mm. lots of boozy lunches and evenings out at you know the latest big restaurants and you know clubs and what have you and yeah I mean I, I I'm don't I didn't know anyone back there who didn't back then who didn't drink I can't mm. be the one person that I knew who didn't drink mm. and it's interesting is it because it sounds like you and I have got sort of similar similar paths in that respect and it was just our culture you know you take a client out for lunch you'd entertain them you know alcohol was all really big part of that and mm. I think when you're so immersed in a culture like that you don't even realize that that's I didn't know it like you said I didn't know anyone who didn't drink either you know no, everybody and, and did you know what I didn't realize until really recently and this makes me sound really stupid but I really didn't think of alcohol as a drug 
you know, because it's so ubiquitous and because everybody drinks, mm. I just, it, it, I didn't think it was a drug like any other drug, um, mm. but it is, you know, and you get addicted in the same way you get addicted to any other drug and your tolerance increases in the same way as it does to any other drug. So, you know, but I hadn't, that really didn't cross my mind back then. You know, I just thought it was fun. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the other thing we we don't necessarily question until we become a bit more conscious is because everybody, your parents drink, you know, most families drink. It's so, so socially acceptable that I think we start drinking at such a young age mm. as well. You know, kids or sort of teenagers, they don't know any different. And, and social media doesn't help. You know, there's a whole mummy drinking culture, which, you know, I totally bought into. So, you know, I think that... Um, uh, you know, for a long time, mothers used to sort of used to have this terrible um, uh, weight of expectation. They had to be absolutely perfect. And, you know, a while back, things started changing. and We started acknowledging that motherhood was hard and that, you know, it was very mm-hmm. difficult to be perfect. And we became much more supportive as mothers. But what we all, you know, laughed about was the role that alcohol played in that. So the idea was, gosh, motherhood is hard, but thank goodness I've got my, my, you know, my mummy Glass juice. Glass of wine, yeah. My little helper, my wine o'clock at the end of the day. And, you know, social media is absolutely filled with jokes about, you know, how wine is absolutely necessary to, as, a, as a partner in, in, in mother, motherhood. Um, and I totally bought into that. And it wasn't until, you know, very recently that I realized that actually, you know, alcohol was making motherhood really hard. <laughs> mm, it's funny, isn't it? Because, it, you know, it's such, now you're out of it, it's probably really obvious. But when you're in mm. it, it's, you know, it's very difficult to sort of see the wood for the trees, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So tell, talk me through your decision to quit drinking, because that's a huge decision and you took it by yourself, um, you know, because I I really want, you know, our listeners are pe- women predominantly, you know, they're all on that journey to discovering their purpose, you know, they want to make a difference in the world. But alcohol, I'm sure is still part of many people's lives that are listening to this. And I'm sure they'll resonate with what you're about to say. So what was the fi- sort of final straw? How did you kind of go, right, this is it now? Ooh. Um, actually, I have to tell you, it was, uh, it was the day after my birthday party four years ago. And this, this is actually the first page in, in my book. when I described that I woke up with an awful hangover, as you can imagine, the day after a party. And um, I went down to the and my kids were you know, we're all, you know, making a real racket. So one of them was, um, uh, one of them was, was doing her clarinet practice and the others were watching something on YouTube. And there was, you know, and I had a crashing headache and, you know, I knew that the only thing that was going to make me feel better was, was, um, having some alcohol and, you know, but I had this hard and fast rule that I never drank before midday. And, and that was sort of something that I'd never, ever broken. But on that morning, I looked in the, um, I looked in the cupboard and there was about half an inch of wine left at the bottom of a bottle. And I thought, oh, that's a sign. You know, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't finished the whole bottle, which means that, you know, that I can have it. <laughs> that wine has my name on it. And um, I poured it into a mug so the children wouldn't notice. And I drank it. And it did help the headache. Uh, But it was, as I said, it was only 11 o'clock in the morning. And then I looked at the mug and it had written on it, the world's best mum. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Awful that I never drank again. So, you know, it had been a long time coming. And there were 
things that led up to that moment. But that was the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you like. Yeah, I can imagine it's kind of ironic, isn't it, to hold that in your hands and look at it. Oh, and then of course the Sober Diaries was born. So, or or was it the blog? Sorry, first of all, the blog Um, was. Yeah, well, I mean, I I tried giving up before, and I'd given up for a month at a time, and I'd given up for sort of weeks here and weeks there, but I'd never been able to stick to it. So, you know, I wanted to do something different, and I thought, well, if I write about what I'm going through, and I sort of remember back to when I was much younger, and I'd written a diary, and I thought, well, writing a diary might help, and then I thought, well you know, this is the 21st century, I should I should do it online. And I'd never done anything like blogging before. So I just Googled something like blogging for dummies and, and managed to work out how to set up a rudimentary blog, which I called Mummy Was a Secret Drinker. And I, I wrote every single day, uh, you know, effectively just an online diary, what I was going through and some of the research that I'd looked up and how I was feeling and what I'd learned about alcohol because I did a huge amount of reading and, you know, that blog, um, I didn't advertise it at all because I was so embarrassed about the whole thing that I blogged under a pseudonym. I called myself Sober Mummy and I was terrified that anyone would know what I was doing. So I didn't do any advertising. But yet within a year, I'd had nearly a million hits. And wow. you know, people all over the world found this blog and started saying, yes, that's me too. And I thought I was the only person who felt like that until I discovered the blog. And I think writing it all down helped me sort out my own head, but it also kept me accountable. You know, I felt that if I started drinking again, I'd be letting down a whole load of other people as well. And it's a great reminder, you know, because I could, your, your mind plays funny tricks on you when you're, you know, when you're an addict in that, you know, you, it's easy to look back and remember the good days and not the bad days. And being able to read back, you know, onto the early days of my blog reminded me what it felt like and the fact that I really didn't want to ever go there again. Mm. So it was very helpful. Mm. And probably I would, something you advise for people who are in that transition of giving up alcohol, would you advise a blog is a really great, great, almost support mechanism for people? Um, yes, I mean, I would say two things. One is is writing everything down is really helpful. So even if you don't do a blog, um, writing a journal really helps for all the reasons I talked about. But the other thing that really helps is community. And, you know, facing any problem alone mm. is really hard. Um, and it's very easy to feel isolated and feel to feel like you're the only person who's ever been in this position. So finding a community is great. And in the old days, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous was the only community out there, whereas now there are so many different options. So, you know, one I really recommend is Club Soda, which is a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are thousands of people on Club Soda who are all quitting drinking together. And, okay. you know, you feel like you're, you know, oh, one something. of a, a great crowd. And uh, Soberistas.com is another one. But there are lots and lots of options so you can find the right community for you. And in fact, there's a fabulous um, TED Talk by um, Johan Harry called Everything You Thought You Knew About Addiction Was Wrong. Um, And um, he ends that TED Talk by saying the opposite of addiction is connection, which I think is a really powerful thought. Mm. And uh, actually finding like-minded people is is really the way through. And I would totally um, concur with what you're saying, because, you know, who we surround ourselves with is who we become. And I think that's Mm. the other thing that's challenging for people is when your social life revolves around alcohol uh, or, you know, as 
kids we grow all up we talk about work environments like I remember being my work environment I just didn't know anybody who didn't drink you know I literally didn't know anybody you know and I didn't who was I going to be friends with who was I going to hang out with you know I think so finding a community whether whatever you want to achieve whether it's fitness not drinking um, finding your purpose you know making sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are in that same conversation so you don't feel alone because I think as human beings we need to Mm. we need to have a community and I think what's changing is I always used to think that the non-drinking community would be a whole load of really sad people in church halls, you know, sort of drinking sweet tea and dredging over the sort of, you know, the, the, the bad old days. And, you know, the truth is that now there's a whole zeitgeist around the, the alcohol-free community. And there are, you know, I, mean, I constantly post on Instagram, you know, the, the amazing people who are, you know, who don't drink. So, you know, and haven't drunk for years. Um, actually, just today, there was uh, I saw there was um, uh, an interview with Anne Hathaway on the um, okay, Ellen yeah. show, um, where she said she's given up alcohol for 18 years, not because wow. she had a big problem with alcohol, but because she didn't want to drink while her, she had a child at home. Because yeah. she said she'd woken up with a hangover and realized what a, you know how difficult it made parenting and what an you know a substandard parent she she was when she was drinking. So she you know she came out sort of very publicly and said, "I'm not drinking for 18 years," which is you know. So when people like Anne Hathaway start yeah. making that decision, and as I said, not because she had a major problem, but because she just thinks it's a better way to live, mm. then that really changes the game. Absolutely, and of course for her children you know growing up in an environment where alcohol isn't the the go-to thing that will have a huge impact on the kids as yeah. well so and, and I think it's it's you know I really didn't want my children to believe that you know parents have to um, have to have wine or alcohol as a way of getting through the everyday ups and downs of life and I was teaching them that it's normal to you know, spend every evening with a glass in your hand. And, and I really, you know, I, I didn't want them to grow up seeing that. There was, you know, there's another great quote by Brené Brown, which is, um, you know, are you the adult you want your child to become? Mm. And, you know, I wasn't the adult I wanted my children to become. And, you know, I thought, how can I, you know, how can I tell them how to live their lives when I'm showing them such a terrible example myself? Mm. So, so I think, you know, that was one of my big motivations. Absolutely. And I think kids can be beautiful motivations for adults, can't they? So I think that anyone listening, you know, think about what the the impact you're having on your children because obviously that would be a really good motivator if you're on the fence about whether you can give up or not. But um, I'd love to dive deeper into your... When you understood that, when you realized, oh my God, this is my new purpose, my new career, because we're very much about purpose on the the podcast of Kitty Talks. I truly believe every human being has a way that they can help and serve the planet. Um, And my mission is to empower and encourage others to uncover their purpose so they can help this, help our planet. Um, So when did you kind of think, oh my God, I'm onto something here and like this is a new, new way of life and meaning for me? Um. You know, it happened very gradually. So, you know, people started saying to me through the blog, you know, I they, they were saying things like, you know, I felt really alone until I read your story. And, um, you know, I thought that life without alcohol would be miserable until, you know, I, I came across your blog. And, and I started realizing, you know, that all those feelings that I'd had, you know, I uh, in the early days, I was helping other people with the mm. same 
feelings all over the world. And, you know, and that was an incredibly powerful thing. And just from telling my truth, you know, just from speaking, speaking my, you know, telling, telling my story. And, um, and so, so that led to, you know, people starting to say, why don't you turn the blog into a book? Um, and, uh, and I remember having a conversation with my husband where I said, look, you know, people keep saying to me, I should, I should write a book. And, and what do you think? And I thought he'd go, oh my God, you can't possibly tell all your deepest secrets and our family's deepest secrets to the world. And he said, he said, I think that's a really good idea. And I said, well, you know, what happens if I get trolled and what happens if people hate me? And he said, uh, he said, you know, there will be ups and downs, but it will be an adventure. And don't we all need more adventure in your, in our lives? Oh, wonderful. He's a good man most yeah, of the time. I have to say, I've, he sounded so lovely in the book. Like he just sounded <laughs> such a gorgeous human being. Oh, he is. I, yeah, I was, I was lucky. I married my best friend, which was, a, you know, it was one of the wisest decisions I made. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so I published the book and then that led to, um, you know, me rediscovering really my love of writing. And, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I should, I should try fiction. So, so I started writing a novel and the novel was very much inspired by, you know, all the, the experiences that I'd had. So it features an addict. It's all about what happens when you tell the truth about your life and how so many of us sort of uh, project this perfect face to the world but underneath there's all sorts of stuff going wrong um and that, that comes out next year so I can't remember what your original question was but but I think that that, that was how my you know yeah, my it unfolded really unfolded and and you know and, and one thing led to another and now you know I, I look back to you know when I was a child my big love was was uh, was reading and writing and you know, if you'd asked me then what I most wanted to be, I would have said, I want to be an author. You know, I would love to write stories. And that's what I'm doing. And, you know, I talked to the children the other day. I said something about, you know, mummy's, you know, mummy's job. And they started laughing hysterically. And I said, what's so funny? And they said, <laughs> you don't have a job, mummy. You make up stories. That's not a job. <laughs> You know, and I think that's the very best way to live your life is by doing something that you love so much that yeah. is not a you know, it's, it earns me money, but it's not a job. It's a passion. And that, and that's an amazing role model to your kids, because, you know, I think if, you know, one of my missions is to get into schools and, and basically enable schools to sort of get them to teach children to uncover themselves. Like you said that mm. you, you know, you really loved writing when you were younger and then it kind of got lost in the sort of life as such. And obviously now yeah. you've, you've come back to that. And, you know, if we were all taught to uncover what it is we truly enjoy and are passionate about and go towards that, I think the world could be a very different place. Yeah, I, I, I I think we we have this artificial split between hobbies and work mm. and if you can if you can make one sway into the other then then that that's the ideal and it's it's funny when you start drinking a lot you lose your passions you become very sort of you know I, I I say that when you use alcohol to rub the you know to blur the edges in life you blur all the good bits too you know you dampen everything down and you know often when people quit drinking they're left with this big hole uh, but what they use to fill the hole is is a passion, often one that they they've neglected. And you know, I always say to people, look back to 
when you were a child and what was it that made your heart sing? You know, what, mm. what made you jump out of bed in the morning with enthusiasm and use that to plug the hole? And often, you know, that turns into a whole new career. So, you know, I've had letters from people who have, there was a lovely one from a lady the other day who said that when she was a child, she used to, um, she used to love riding horses, but mm-hmm. she hadn't ridden a horse for 20 years. And when she quit drinking, she started riding again. And now it's her passion, it's her job, it's, you know, her whole life. And she never would have done that if she hadn't, you know, hadn't been through the process of, of, of you know, overcoming addiction. I've had people who've taken up art or jewelry making or knitting, you know, gardening, all sorts of things. And, uh, and, and again, sort of used it as a stepping stone to a whole new career. And I love the bit in the book because you talk about time because it's so true, isn't it? You have so much more time that you actually can do these mm. things that you're passionate about that you didn't have time for before. Like I love the bit in the book where you described how you'd like spring cleaned all the cupboards and ch- chucked everything out and the house had not, never was so <laughs> more. Because I can totally relate to that. Our house is immaculate <laughs> because you've just got more yeah, time at your disposal. It's a displacement activity. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, you have more time, you have more energy, you have more sort of, you know, cause even, you know, even if I hadn't drunk that much, I would still spend most Saturday and Sunday mornings feeling a little bit under par, you know, and there is no hell worse than a soft bay center with small children and a hangover. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so waking up, bouncing out of bed is, is a, is a massive revelation. Mm. And so wonderful that you've got, all, like you were just describing, you can rediscover the things that you're passionate about. And obviously by you rediscovering what you were passionate about, it's blossomed into this amazing new career. And I, I can imagine how fulfilling it must be because you, you must get tagged all the time in like pictures of people with your book, you know, or people sort of saying how your book's made a difference. And that just must be so, I would imagine, fulfilling for you. Yeah, I mean, every day I get emails from or mess, you know, messages on social media from people saying saying exactly that, and it sort of you know it makes it makes it all worthwhile. And you know, is the incredible thing as well is that you know I was terrified before the book came out. I, I spent three nights not sleeping at all, and I thought, what if people hate it? What if they hate me? And you know, and there have been you know one or two you know negative um, comments, and I've had some you know it's very low level sort of you know negativity. But it's amazing how supportive people are if you make yourself vulnerable. Mm. And you know, I think whatever your issue is, you know, you know, feel feeling brave enough to you know put it out there people will be nothing but supportive so what would you say Claire to someone who's listening to this who's maybe still in the mindset of they're going to be missing out if they give up drinking talk to that person for me no I know how they feel because that's exactly how I felt I thought that when I quit drinking my whole life would be over you know I thought that was that was it I might Social as well reject. Sort of, you know and I, and I thought <laughs> Yeah, and I, I thought, well, that's that's only fair, you know. It's I've I've had lots of fun in the past, and this is payback time, and it's about time I became a became a grown up, and um and you know it's not like that at all because you know the first few months are hard, and you know you you do you know you just have to get through the early days and the early weeks, and um you know there and have faith that when you get to the other side. It will be amazing. And it really is. And everybody I speak to says the same. You know, you get to 
about 100 days and things start getting, you know, miraculously better. So, you know, you'll find that you have, you sleep better, you have more energy, you uh, lose weight, probably, um, you feel you're, you know, I'm a way better parent than I was. I'm more sort of, you know, um, patient and sympathetic. I'm more on the same wavelength as my children. Um, You know, it will change your whole life for the better, but it's just so not worth it when you compare it to all the positives of not drinking. So, So I would say, don't be scared, be excited because you're at the beginning of a whole new life and, you know, mirac- mirac- uh, sorry, miraculous things will happen. Mm. And what would you, because I, I do remember when I, for the first time I quit drinking, I had to sort of relearn to socialize almost because you, and it's interesting because you, now it doesn't phase me at all socializing without alcohol, but I do remember there was a point where I found it quite difficult because you, you just have never done it before. And you've, and then of course you get through that and you realize there's almost like an, an energy of a party you can feed off without the alcohol. There's kind of this, this kind of innate energy that, that lifts you anyway, especially if you're like me, I love, I love people. Um, but what would you say to someone approaching their first situation or social situation without alcohol? Any advice for them? Um, yeah, it is. It is hard to start off with, and you know, I felt a bit like if you've read Harry Potter, you know, you know the ghosts in Harry Potter who are sort of there, like nearly headless <laughs> Nick. You know, they're there and and they're part of it, but they're on a slightly different plane. Yeah, um, you know, yes. I felt like that going into a party. I felt like I was on a different level from everybody else, and it was very awkward because you know I'd spent uh, God knows uh, you know more than twenty years. Uh, drinking at every single social event I ever went to. So it's bound to take a while to, to readjust. Um, but there are things you can do to make it easier. For, so to start with, you know, I would say don't go for very long. So, mm. you know, just go along until you start having fun and then leave. And the great thing about not drinking is you can drive, you know. <laughs> so you leave whenever you want. <laughs> and as soon as you want to leave, don't even bother saying goodbye, just get out. And and the truth is that if everyone else is drinking, they won't even notice that you've gone because everyone is far too too busy. That's of, very good advice. Kind of yeah, because if you if you announce that you're going, everyone goes, oh no, don't go, yeah, and then you yeah, feel awful. Or and just have a drink. Yes, yes. You know? So just go along, have lots of fun, talk to all the people you want to talk to, and then just go. And and you know, gradually, I I built up the amount of time I was spending at a party, and now I'm quite happy until two o'clock in the morning. You know, but in the early days, I would be out of there at 11 p.m. and I would be in bed by midnight with a with a cup of hot chocolate and a good book feeling really great about myself and and you know if it gets really tricky just play it forward and there's a great sort of expression that addicts use about playing it forward uh, play the film forward so you know um don't if you're thinking should I just have one drink then imagine what that one drink will lead to because you know if you're like me you don't just have one drink you have one and then you have another one and then you have another one and before you know it you're you know you're talking rubbish and and uh, and, and embarrassing yourself and drunk texting an ex-boyfriend or whatever it might be <laughs> and the next morning you'll wake up feeling miserable and hungover and hating yourself and you know and instead think about how great you'll feel the next day waking up you know uh, completely hangover free with bags of energy and remembering a great night so, uh, so yeah, so those are some of the, oh, also, um, I find something else to drink. And there are so many fabulous mm. alcohol 
alternatives now. There's no need to just stand there with a glass of tap water or orange juice, you know. So, you know, t- if there's if there's not going to be a good alcohol-free alternative where, where you're going, then take something with you. Um, and you can have an alcohol-free beer or a seed lip and tonic or, you know, a mocktail, you know, there, and there's no need to stand there with an empty glass, um, feeling, feeling ill at ease. Yeah. I have to admit, I haven't got into, um, non-alcoholic drinks yet. Like I know you, you talk about Beck's Blue in the book. So is that still mm-hmm. your non-alcoholic drink of choice? Well, well, back then it was about the only choice. Um, yeah, and- sure. Now there are so many different alternatives. It just goes to show how the alcohol-free lifestyle is really taking off mm. because all the big supermarkets have a whole aisle now of alcohol-free drinks. Um, because, you know, in the old days, the only thing you could drink if you weren't drinking alcohol was uh, was kids' drinks, you know, like Coca-Cola and orange juice. And, you know, and you felt a bit sort of, you know, you felt like you were missing out. And so I always make myself at, at what was wine o'clock. I always make myself a special drink. And I sort of, you know, and I sit there and I relax with my special drink in the way that I used to, but it doesn't have all the, all the negatives associated with it. Because mm, there's so, non-alcohol um, gin and stuff like that. It, it's, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, some people, it's not, helpful for everybody I think sure. you know some people find that if they drink alcohol-free gin or alcohol-free wine that it just makes them want the real thing yes so they find it it makes it harder you know and some people like me find it makes it easier so I think with all of these things it's a case of you know do what works for you um you know and if what works for you is not going to parties at all for the first month then hell you know it's only a month in your whole in the grand scheme of a whole life so Mm. if you if you want to just stay at home and hold up with Netflix then do that you know it doesn't it really doesn't matter Mm, absolutely that's really what I have to say I like the I like the glasses random but I like you know champagne glasses I like wine glasses so even just pouring an apple ties in a wine glass for me is quite satisfying yeah and you know what it does trick your subconscious so, um, you know, because your subconscious is so used to associating a wine glass and an adult drink with um, a feeling of relaxation, that even when it's not alcoholic, you still get that feeling of relaxation because your subconscious is picking up all those cues. So, which is why it can be dangerous for some people. Mm, also. Sure. But for me, you know, I, I, I still feel slightly drunk if I drink a non-alcoholic drink, um, you know, the, but a special one. It still makes me feel, you know, relaxed and lightheaded. Wonderful. So thank you so much. I know you've shared some amazing wisdom there in our interview today for people who are maybe on the fence, they want to give up, but they can't, not quite sure they can do it. So thank you so much. I know you're, the interview will have empowered people. Um, and I also know, you know, for, for our listeners, you're all about finding your purpose. This is going to give you and create so much more time for you to reconnect to what it is you are truly passionate about. So where can people find you, Claire? Oh, uh, all over the place, actually. So my book, uh, The Sober Diaries, is on Amazon and it's available actually all over the world. Um, uh, and mm. uh, my blog is called Mummy Was a Secret Drinker. So if you put that into Google, you'll you'll find my blog easily. Uh, but I'm also on Facebook as Sober Mummy um, and on Instagram as Claire underscore Pooley. So, so uh, that's me. 
Excellent. And we'll have all Claire's details in the show notes. So if you missed any of that, you will be able to connect with her. And please do go and say hello. And I highly recommend Ben the book. The book's really, really good. You sometimes think, oh, it might be a bit dull. It might be a bit boring. This is so fun. Um, and really, I won't spoil it for you, but yes, it's a kind of roller coaster um, without a fantastic, fantastic um deeper meaning so yeah thank you claire for coming on i really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with our audience oh thank you so much for having me on the show i've really loved it (laughs) we will see you next week with another amazing guest say goodbye bye-bye bye bye so what did you think i think claire's such a beautiful human being and i really love for me she's an example of somebody who's taken it one step at a time and her purpose has unveiled itself like we know from dharma when you go towards what excites you what lights you up what you're passionate about she was passionate about sharing her giving up drinking story and what has happened is her purpose has unveiled itself to her and now she's made a whole new career for herself so let me know what you thought of this podcast episode what has it inspired you to do in your life and we'll see you next week with another amazing guest thank you so much for listening to the kitty talks podcast i do hope you enjoyed this episode and i too hope you were inspired to take action towards your dream life you know all it takes is aligned daily action towards your dreams and they will come to fruition they will be created you are an energetic being and you're more powerful than you've ever been taught if you want some help and support come and join us do yourdharma.co.uk apply now we're taking applications and we're going to help you support you creating a dream life this is why you came <laughs>